We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode one, two, three of the pod, making it simple, keeping things in order. Uh, what we like to do here. Up one twenty three down. We got some uh, big time picks for you this week. We got some Bears analysis. A lot of moving and shaking uh, in in Chicago baseball, despite their lack of uh, involvement in postseason. Still some storylines uh, to go around. Very much so. And uh, postseason baseball is here as. Uh, was shown by last night in a crazy one between the Nationals and the Brewers, uh, the Brew Crew going home. So now what uh, looked like the almighty NL Central, only represented by one team remaining, and uh, a, team we, a, a team we shall not speak of, Matt. But uh, before we dive into all of that and get into things from uh, crashed parked cars to... <sighs> struggles scoring touchdowns uh, how are you well I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine here I actually mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of thinking about this before we started the podcast and you know a lot of times you know Monday morning after a Bears game I love tuning in and hearing what people have to say I kind of like this Wednesday rhythm we've gotten into because I think it gives us a, a, a little bit of time to get away from it a little bit take a step back whether it's been mm-hmm. good or bad and really take an, an actual look on it, not really react in the moment to it, really think about it and actually come up with what we actually saw rather than just just that immediate reaction. So I think it's – I like what we're kind of – the formula we're getting into here with this Wednesday thing. We digest a yes. bit is what you're saying. We, we, it's, it's a little bit more palpable on Wednesday. Yeah, win um, or lose. Well, while a 3-1 and one record is uh, – is acceptable and is is good and is um, a step in the right direction and a win is a win is a win as we always talk about on the pod. Definitely some uh, some things left to be desired by that Bears team last week. I know there's so much awe inspiring performance by the defense that we're kind of turning our other cheek to the offense, but both the play calling and the execution coming down the stretch. To me, felt like the Bears left the door open when it didn't need to be left open. They had their foot on Minnesota's throat for about two and a half quarters and just kind of let that score hang at a ten point uh, at a ten point lead. Where I think and I thought that there were opportunities for them to kind of blow that team out and assert a little bit of dominance over a, a divisional foe. I understand your backup quarterbacks in, and they responded well to that. But um, the ability to put the ball put the ball in the end zone, despite who your quarterback, running back, wide receiver are, that's called depth. And uh, we've been told over and over that the Bears have that depth. And I'd like to see that depth create points just as much as I'd like to see the starters create points. See, I'm not as down on that offensive performance as you are. It's, it sounds like you might be. I I, I liked what we saw from the offense right when Mitch went out and Chase was obviously able to run it a little bit efficiently. It seemed like the playbook was a little bit more open and I think that mm-hmm. makes sense because Chase Daniel's been mastering this playbook for as long as he's been in the NFL it seems like um, but as much as the score might not reflect that dominance and the points might not reflect that dominance I think this was an incredibly dominant performance to anybody that watched it and anybody who was involved in it simply because of the defense and I, the, the offense did enough to win and I mm-hmm. think that was really more by design because like you said they did have their backup quarterback in and I think had the Vikings scored 
been able to move the ball at all or score at all, I think Nagy might have opened that playbook up. But I, I think he's fine with knowing how good his defense is, knowing that Minnesota had no chance at moving the ball without you know, making Kirk Cousins spin it. And he mm-hmm. knew Kirk Cousins couldn't do that. So I think he felt more than comfortable with just feeding David Montgomery, you know, trying to move the ball, chunk it down the field a little bit and play the field position game. And with that defense against that anemic offense at home that loves that defense so much, yeah. I'm actually okay with it. And for whatever reason, I felt so much better after this win than I did after the Washington win. And I don't really know why. Maybe it's because the second half there was that letdown. I know yeah. the offense didn't really produce in the second half, but I didn't really feel like that was because the offense didn't execute. It was just more because they called a conservative game knowing Minnesota wasn't going to do a thing against their defense. Yeah, and the the other angle on that too is the play calling by Minnesota. Like Minnesota understood at a certain point that there was no way that they were running the ball against this Bears mm-hmm. defense, um, which kudos to, as we talked about, the depth of that defense. Guys stepping up, Kwiatkowski in the middle. Um, Nick Williams coming in out of nowhere. Roy Robertson-Harris had a huge Cheering up the interior. I think Roy Robertson-Harris was a guy that you picked to That was my standout guy. That was your standout guy, and he really has thus far. He's really impressed um, in his his limited um, uh, capability. He's taking advantage of his reps. His limited opportunities, exactly. Um, But the Vikings end up running – for 40 yards, top rushing offense in the league comes in. They run for 40 yards. They throw for 233. So I think that there was some identification of, um, you know, they're just going to try and pass this ball, and they're not too good at that. Mm -hmm. Let's not overextend ourselves offensively and give them a short field or give them an opportunity that isn't warranted. Make make Kirk Cousins go eighty five yards. Down I the guess field. that I, don't I guess think that, you was can do that. Yeah, and I, I, that was the I'm strategy. Yeah, I'm fine. And I, I know they didn't run the ball all that effectively, but I think that's because in the second half, Mike Zimmer kind of knew that was the case, knew what was going on, so he decided to load up the box a little bit. I still need to figure out. They need to figure out a way to get this running game going a little bit better. Uh, it wasn't terrible against Washington. Obviously, the Green Bay game was kind of a disaster. It wasn't terrible against Denver. But it really hasn't had that breakout performance. And I know Kyle Long wasn't playing. I think Ted Larson started at right guard. But that mm-hmm. offensive line really needs to find their groove and find it quickly. Um, I know Oakland this week should be, in theory, should be another win. But the schedule starts to pick up a little bit after that. I think you got New Orleans. you got the Chargers. So it, it doesn't get easier after that. And the offensive line is all going to have to be on the same page because with how this offense operates, with who the quarterbacks are, it's either going to be, you know, if, if Mitch is healthy, it's him, or if, if he's not, it's going to be Chase. They're still going to need to run the football. And the offensive line hasn't really given much reason to believe they're going to be able to do that yet against strong defensive fronts. I guess the elephant in the room in the conversation that's being had uh, citywide and somewhat nationwide is the fact that Chase Daniel came in and operated an offense at a level even or better than the starting quarterback. Where do you fall on that conversation of Chase Daniel being a, and I, I balk at saying this, but Chase Daniel being an upgrade in this offense? I mean, Chase Daniel is, for a game like this, yeah, maybe he, he's an upgrade because he's not going to, you're not going to take many chances. You're just going to kind of dink and dunk. You're going to hand the ball off and turn it over to your defense. But if you get into a game, if, if the Bears are, you know, that Sunday night game in, in L.A. where they're going to have to score some points, or if the defense isn't going to be this dominant all the time, Chase Daniel's not going to be a quarterback that's going to win you a shootout. And I think we saw that at certain times last year. It's almost like people kind of take this start and say, wow, he looked good and the offense ran great and kind of forget that 
you know, he turned the ball over twice in New York last year and lost to a three and thirteen Giants team on the road. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, on Thanksgiving against the Lions, didn't look all that efficient and needed a defensive touchdown to win that game. Um, so I, we still have seen Chase Daniel start, and we I, th- I think we'll have some of our moments where we see oh it's it's actually still just Chase Daniel, it's not this brand new backup, but it's just part of the city of Chicago's fascination with the backup quarterback. It's always for, been for as long. It's, it doesn't matter who the starting quarterback is. McCown I, mean, I wasn't alive Cutler. when Jim McMahon was here. I don't think it happened then, but it, it seems like since then the most popular man in the city is that backup quarterback. And I, I just got to remind you, we've seen what happens when the offense is turned over to Chase Daniel. And they went one and one against the Lions and Giants last year. Yeah, I, I don't know how sustainable it is long term, but to have the a ceiling's guy, higher with Mitch. I just, the ceiling is much higher with Mitch. But the place where I do lean the other way on this, and I don't think Chase Daniel's a better quarterback. If he was, he'd be starting. He'd mm-hmm. be starting here. He'd be starting somewhere else. Yes. But I do think that things get gray and murky. Um, but a little bit easier emotionally to lose a starting quarterback. When your starting quarterback struggles and you're not sure who he is and the drop-off from starting quarterback to backup isn't as great as it is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, that is both a credit to Chase Daniel and an indictment of Mitch Trubisky at the same exact time. I think while Mitch is still the better quarterback, the disparity between the two is not that great. That's why we get into these murky conversations and these places where we think, uh eh, are we better off? Mm-hmm. That's why it's a little bit harder to decipher for us. What's odd for me is because if you ask me at the end of last season, even I know in the, the playoff game, Mitch didn't play great until kind of middle, third quarter, fourth quarter. He played really well, and that's kind of when Nagy started calling some, turning up the play calling too. Mm-hmm. It seems like since that point, he's regressed. And if, if you've asked me, if, if you'd asked me, you know, after that game, you know, do you do I think I'll. I'll close to I think Chase Daniel is to Mitch Trubisky I'd laugh in your face and say it's not even close and now the fact that I in my opinion Mitch is the starting quarterback should be the starting quarterback I don't think there's much of a question about it but it's like it, it at least when you ask me now it kind of sticks in my head for a second mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Mitch physically we've seen the tools all there and I'm starting to worry that it is a mental thing that it is a, a I don't know about his inability to grasp the playbook because last year he seemed like he grasped the playbook just fine and the offense seemed a little bit more open. I'm starting to worry that he's, you know, feeling the pressure of having this great team, having this great defense and might be, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's just early season. They haven't opened the playbook kind of like they didn't with him last year until a little bit later, but I'm starting to worry that, you know, he's taking some hits mentally and this might just be another one. And the fact that Chase Daniel went out there and, you know, won a game and played pretty well might be another knock to him. And that this is a knock on Mitch. If that does get to him, I'm not saying it's going to, but you, you know what I'm saying? It's starting to make me feel like he, I'm worried he's a little bit mentally weak. And then the knock on him, the book on him has always been, you know, it's, it's, it's in his headspace. It's never been the physical tools with Mitch. Does that make sense? A little bit. Um, I get what you're saying, but despite, whether it's problem. mental, physical, or otherwise, it's got to get figured out. Oh, 100%. Because you know? I, this... I like Chase Daniel. I think he's a great backup quarterback, he, he's especially in this offense. Like Nagy said, he's a second coach out there on the field. Steve's yeah. not winning a Super Bowl with Chase Daniel. I hope that I hope that Minch is using this time to get off the physical side of it and get into the mental side of it and really dig into whatever he needs to dig into because, you know, if you – can manage to do it, you can slow things down while you're out with mm-hmm. it. You can really slow things down and start to 
um, think about the game and analyze the game rather than having to be in it and be a part of the game. So uh, maybe a silver lining, an opportunity there over this next week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, four weeks for Mitch. Yeah, I think he just kind of needs to take a step back, get right. You know, when does I, I heard? I heard Nagy on Monday. When does he? He hasn't spoken you know, since he, then, right? So we don't said, really have an update on that. He pretty much said, um, you know, it's the report is it's a partial labrum tear and a separated uh-huh. shoulder, and that not uh, the non-throwing shoulder, obviously. So it, it sounds like he's going to be out this week. He's going to miss the bye, and there is is the bye. Uh, what I, it sounds like he's going to be back after the bye. So I think it's what yeah. overall three weeks, um, which is what kind of most people thought it might be when it happened but also probably the best case scenario after we saw that injury which you know in real time didn't look all that bad when they slowed it down Ooh, man I, yeah. I, it's funny I was, I was sitting next to uh i was i was watching the game with with gino brian and mike and, and the brian, end zone view looked terrible yeah brian tore his labrum in college and when he saw that injury slowed, he's like that is exactly what happened when i tore my labrum yeah <laughs> and lo and man. behold mitch has a slightly torn labrum so you know they say uh Possibly a, a non-surgical issue, but yeah, I'm sure it's that, something they can correct. I'm sure they go in, the in there during the off season and yeah, yeah figure something out. out. But yeah. I mean, on the bright side, I think offensively, other than Chase, you know, showing he can step and fill in. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson again played like a number one. I think he's been yeah. doing that all season. Uh, really, Definitely. since that Philly game, he showed you that he is a legitimate number one. I don't think he gets the love outside the city that he deserves. And uh, Javon Wims had, had a. Very nice game. Looking here, four receptions, 56 yards. It seemed like a little bit more than that, but he had that really nice move on the outside, caught that deep ball down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's really taken that next step after being what it was, a seventh-round pick last year? Uh, I believe so. So he's a nice weapon. And Adam Shaheen stayed healthy. Adam Shaheen stayed healthy. He's making he some catches. Or two. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, to the Allen Robinson point, um, it's, again, just a – product of national perception named the bears wide receiver who was a top flight guy who got national respect it's just not a thing you know yeah. Brandon marshall there for a year or two um moose and muhammad he, i mean even then he was the slowest number yeah. one in the league uh you're going back to like curtis conway yeah going all the way back it, it just isn't something that people think we have even if we have it mm-hmm. so you know, let him sleep on Allen Robinson. If he keeps racking up these eight reception, hundred yard games, and in that neighborhood, then you know he's producing what we need him to produce. Uh, he might not get the national accolades he feels he deserves, but tough on you. This is when yeah. you came to play football. We're going to try and go win a Super Bowl. And I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up. The uh, I mean, the elephant in the room is Roquan Smith missing the game yep. for personal reasons. But but the guys that filled in and plays from Nick Kwiatkowski obviously had the fantastic game. Um, Nick. Blowing up Talvin Cook on that blitz or on that blitz, yep. he tried to step up and fill. And then the name that's not getting brought up as much, but Kevin Pierre Lewis was kind of there. I mean, the, the book on Kwiatkowski is he's a great stopper of the run. He's really stout up front. He's kind of slow in coverage. Kevin Pierre Lewis kind of came in in those passing downs a lot of the time and took took the coverage responsibilities there, and he played fine as well. So I thought. Um, Chuck Pagano did a really nice job kind of using both of his backup inside linebackers to mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the two of them combining to be one Roquan Smith. Yeah. Um, but I thought they both played played really well uh, in relief. I mean, Nick Kwiatkowski is the talk of the town here. You uh, learn a lot. You learn a lot about teams when guys go down, whether it's injury, personal reasons, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. You learn a lot about that team and their long-term viability because at some point – Every single team's depth will be tested. And the thing that sets these teams apart is sometimes when your depth is tested, 
you fall off, you shrink to the wayside, you go away. There are, I'd say on an, on an annual average, five or six teams that are immediately taken out of contention due to injury mm-hmm. because they just don't, they lack that depth. The Bears proved on Sunday that they have that depth. God forbid something happens to ones at any given time. Mm-hmm. I believe it was six starters between the offense and the defense that did not play on Sunday and to go put forth the the body of work that they did against a divisional opponent in what I would call just as much as any other game a must-win game. Yeah, you can't go 0-2 at home in the division to start the year if you want to win that division. You just, you just can't do it. So for those guys to respond and for the Bears to flex their muscles and show that depth, it's really, really encouraging moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even brought up, you know, Akeem Hicks didn't play on yeah. Sunday. Did, did you notice, right, and this isn't a knock on Akeem Hicks, I still think he's one of the best defensive tackles, one of the best three techniques in all of football. I didn't even notice he wasn't playing. Like, obviously, I knew he was inactive. Like, in terms of I a drop-off, yeah, like, there, there was no, no drop-off with I knew. Williams. Obviously, yeah. I knew he wasn't playing, but the watching the play on the field, there was no drop-off with, uh, with Nick Williams. He played fantastic. Yeah. Some guy named Khalil Mack looked really good. Um, it was <laughs> another strip sack. It, it, we no. take it for granted at this point. But yeah, man, speaking said, of him, this coming up this week, he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna go off for like six sacks. Yeah, it, it, he's not the type of guy who seems super, um, you know, super fired up by personal things. I think he just loves the game and loves to go out there and torment quarterbacks and running backs mm-hmm. and do what he does. But you get the air in the things that he was saying that this is personal. I mean, you've probably seen some of his sound. Have you seen yeah, any of his quotes does, on the media? He's, I did. He does want to go prove a point. He's excited he, for this one. He's really, really excited to show a team how big of a mistake that they made. Like, I don't think he goes out there every week thinking that. But when you line up across from that helmet that you used to wear, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something personal in it. Yeah. Um, and I... We don't talk a lot about about a lot about special teams on this podcast outside of the the kicking, you know, whatever from from the off season. Uh-huh. But hats off to the special teams. I thought in a game that you're trying to win field position battles, obviously Eddie Pinheiro hit all of his field goals and extra points. Pat O'Donnell, I think, averaged like 45 yards a punt and was pinning him deep. And I thought Cordero Patterson and Sherrick McManus as the Gunners were doing fantastic yeah. jobs getting off Cordero their guys came down, covering made a the couple punt. Tackles. Those guys, those guys are doing. It, it's really it's a Nobody really gives them the credit. They even when it's a great punt like that, and somebody makes a tackle. Usually yeah. the comment is, "Oh man, what a punt!" Pinning them or putting them right there. Those gunners were fantastic and made some tackles pretty much right, you know, right after the punt was caught. So I, I thought those guys did a fantastic job, and the special teams has been on fire so far this year. It really, really can't be overstated how important that is too, because when you're dealing with an offense that struggles to score points, and you're dealing with a do- defense that's as dominant as ours is, you're putting both of those. Um, units in a place to succeed mm-hmm. from a punt from a punt standpoint. If you're flipping the field sixty yards the way they have been, then you know your your defense is going to go down there, get a three and out, and they're going to have to try and see if they can punt one back at you sixty yards. So, mm-hmm. in essence, you're gaining 10, 15, 20 yards depending on what happens in those situations. But if your punt can go down there and dominate field position with a defense that strong. I mean, you're playing with house money at that point. Yeah, uh, it, I, it was it was fun to watch them, and you know, it, even as a defense, when you're headed back out there after you know Cordell Patterson goes down and makes a big tackle, you you kind of feel it a little bit. You get a little bit excited. You're kind of pumped up, and it was it was. I, I think that absolutely fueled the defense going out there. So uh, as you. Uh, so eloquently put it, the elephant in the room. Um, we don't have anything new on Roquan, right? I don't no, know I mean, we can it will, expect him. 
What it, what was said was I know there was pictures surfaced of that car um, yeah. that has been pretty much completely shot down. Everybody's there, there it's, it's been debunked that that is not his car. That wasn't that him. wasn't his car. So the, the, it wasn't his thing. Um, it, it's a little bit weird. Uh, it, it's obviously a personal situation. Apparently, he poked his head in the locker room yesterday when the media was in there. PR people kind of shoot him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevathan was asked about it. Um, it, it as I'm sure many other people were asked about it in the locker, but he actually kind of answered a little bit. He said, um, you know, we're not as worried about it as the media seems to be, as you guys seem to be, and that's kind of where he left it. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure what to make of that. But, you know, it's just it's weird how, you know, that can be a little bit of a casual answer, and those guys might seem to expect him back in a week or two, whereas Matt Nagy is handling this kind of the Belichick way and just completely saying nothing. Um, but but the fact that Trevathan a- answered it that way makes me think at least this probably isn't like a legal issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it's just it's it's weird. It, it seems like it could be anything you know one of a million things. And you hope he's okay. You hope there's no you know mental health issues or he's not having any breakdowns or the family's yeah. okay and all that stuff. But after that, you know <laughs> you hope he can get back on the field too because you know as much as I like what Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre Lewis did in that game, I mean certain offenses are going to be able to take advantage of that hole. You'd like yep. to think, and you, this defense kind of needs Roquan Smith in it if they want to get where they want to go. Hearing that he's in the building is um, is a it's positive. A plus. It's absolutely yeah. a plus. Yeah, but it, was, so. it was just it was weird seeing him on the. You, you saw he was out for personal reasons, then randomly seeing him on the sides. Like, is it, that's Roquan on the sidelines, and he doesn't look hurt, and he's just in gear, kind of standing there. It was, it was odd. Yeah, whole thing. Uh, spe- speaking of odd, the Bears' uh, schedule has been a bit odd, and I mm. know. Uh, Matt Nagy commented on it. They don't have a standard noon start until week seven and eight. Uh, they've been in prime time. They've been on Monday night. They've been in the late slot. They now go to London to play the Raiders. Just it's it's really thrown a lot of curveballs for this team. And I think the way that they've responded has been uh, admirable. I don't know yeah, if that's the right word, it, but it, it's been um, effective the way that they've responded outside of a normal. Um, day-to-day um yeah, what have you, you what have you made of their just ability to respond to those things it's been weird it's been all over the place and i mean you played football too you kind of know that y- you get into a routine and obviously these guys have been in routines for years the bears weren't uh you know mm-hmm. big primetime players previously before this year so getting this you know noon routine and you've seen it too you know when you're thrown off that routine a lot of the times it affects your play for whatever reason you don't come out you know all that um focused for whatever reason i think they've done a great job obviously they're three and one uh, without having that conventional noon start yet they're not going to get it like you said until that uh, with the chargers game um, but if they can come out of this in you know four and two five and one even um, i think that's a huge win i think that says a lot to the coaching staff for the way they prepare and for the players for the way that they prepare and you know keep their bodies you know in shape because it is throwing curveballs at them week after week starting at different times yeah um, so good on the coaching staff, good on all those assistants for uh, getting this team ready to go out there and win ball games. Um, looking ahead at the Bears' schedule, obviously a little bit odd this week in having to go to London, but you're getting a Raiders team that, speaking of teams that are on the brink of being eliminated by injury, they're right there. Right there. Um, you know, you stop a running back in Josh Jacobs, you stop a wide receiver in Tyrell Williams, and you're fine. There's not mm-hmm. much there. I guess, you know, Darren Waller has the most receptions for, for any tight end uh, in the league right now, but he's a, he's a glorified wide receiver too. So um, not many different facets to stop for the Bears. So when you look forward at the schedule beyond the Raiders, you get the bye 
But then you get into a three-game stretch with the Chargers, Eagles, or excuse me, Saints, Chargers, and Eagles, and you jump back into the division with the Lions. Um, what needs to be done for you to be confident going coming out of the bye? What needs to be accomplished in London for you to feel confident coming out of a bye? What they, uh, I mean, they need to win. Uh, I need, Obviously. especially if you're starting your backup quarterback, I think the the defense needs to. But look. is that but is that your threshold for feeling good going into this stretch with the Chargers? Excuse me, with the Saints, Chargers, and Eagles. I I'm mean, not. I I'm not saying I need the defense to look as dominant as they did against Minnesota. Obviously, that would be nice. Um, uh-huh. but it's, it's it's hard to put in that performance two weeks in a row. I, I need the defense to look good. I need the offense to look. I'd like to see the the running game be established a little bit more, even though I, I'm sure Oakland might be sitting on that a little bit more, not thinking Chase Daniel's going to beat them downfield a ton. Yeah. Um, but really, it's you, you got to come out four and one, and, and it's it might be the easy answer. But in the NFL, it's not easy to win football games. I mean, we saw it last week with the Raiders. I mean, the Colts were my block of the week at six and a half. They were everybody's darling after beating the Falcons and looking pretty good. And then they go out and get shelled at home. I know they made it closer at the end, but they're down two touchdowns most of that game. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to go to London and, you know, shake up your routine entirely. <laughs> we're on to London. The NFL. So you got to go out and you got to get a win and you got to come home and, and be ready to play New Orleans because whether that, I, I think it's still going to be Bridgewater at that point because I think that's a lot to ask for oh, Breeze's. Yeah. Breeze's th- I know they're, they're saying he's ahead of schedule. I still think that's a lot to ask for him to play that week. It's um, a thumb. Y- y- you got to be ready to you know come out and play and get another win. It's, it's just kind of going to be a week-to-week thing and, and hope Mitch is healthy by then. But, I mean, long story short, you, you got to be 4-1 and one headed into that Saints game because yeah. that's you, you look past that. While there's some very winnable games on the schedule, there's not any, I mean, there's no layups left. This is kind of your last layup. I know the Giants are probably considered one at home. Yeah. But if they got a quarterback who's firing on all cylinders and Saquon Barkley reinserted to the lineup, that's a tough one. That's why I really need the offense to find something this week, with or without Mitch. Obviously, without It's not going to be Mitch. He's we, not need, we need the offense to find some sort of flow with Chase Daniel then mm-hmm. because – that's why like I want the running game to get established. At least let, let's get are, one side of the ball or one side of the offense. Come yeah, on. there are no layups from this point in. And trying to figure out what you're good at and trying to find an offensive momentum, trying to find an offensive flow, a play-calling flow. And I know your play-calling does adjust and change a little bit with your different quarterbacks in there. But trying to find that flow against teams like the Eagles – on the road against not great. the Rams on the road. It's not easy to do. So um, I think there's such a great importance in going into London, as you said, establishing the run, um, Chase Daniels spreading the ball around, making all these receivers feel like they're involved in an integral part. Um, you saw how jacked up Tariq Cohen was to catch a five-yard out and get into the end zone. Like, mm-hmm. you got to make guys feel that way too. So I think that's just as important this week as well. Yeah, uh, it, while you're going to get performances like that one from the defense, you know, here and there throughout the season, we saw it a couple times last year too. That's not something you can rely on every week. At some point, like you said, the offense needs to get into its rhythm, and the offense needs to, you know, win you a ball game because the defense is not going to be firing on all cylinders every single week to that extent. Matthew, you got anything else, Bears, before we whip it around the NFL for a week's worth of uh, recap? I don't think so. Hit the music. Eagles and Packers, 34-27. to The Eagles take the Packers on Thursday night. The Pack and Aaron Rodgers throwing an interception uh, down around the goal line, looking to tie the ball game up. A, uh, a big win for the Eagles, a big win for the Bears. All of a sudden, the Packers aren't looking like that dominant team everybody thought they were. I mean, 
the defense was kind of exposed a little bit there. And you look at the other teams the Packers had to play against you know, early on in the season, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Broncos aren't exactly an offensive juggernaut. So it'll be interesting to see once the Packers continue to get tested, you know, with Dallas this week, how good that defense actually is. And offensively, when you lose Devontae Adams, they look to be uh, pretty one-dimensional and mm-hmm. not have many targets out there for old AA round. Hey, how about Jordan Howard going out there? 15 carries, 87 yards. And good for TD. Jordan. And He's three TDs, two he, rushing, one receiver. He, did he not, caught a football. It's, he caught wow. a football. Didn't do, that, didn't do that much here, but good for Jordan yeah. Howard. I mean, the, the guy who apparently wasn't good enough to play here. Uh, good, good for him on the national stage and against the Packers, too, doing the Bears a favor. Titans and Falcons, the enigma that is Matt Ryan uh, lets Marcus Mariota come into his building and take care of him 24 to 10. I think the story in this one is just the Falcons offense is anemic at best at this point. Can't keep Matt Ryan upright, and even when they do, he can't seem to find Julio as much as he needs to. Yeah, it seems like Dan Quinn's kind of circling the drain there, and uh, it I think the Falcons, I mean, that I don't want to write them off completely for the year because it's only one and three, it's week four, but they're not looking very good. And the Titans continue to do what the Titans always seem to do under Mike Vrabel. When they are expected to lose, they come out and win. When they're expected to win, they go out and lose. Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan threw the ball 53 times on Sunday for 397 yards. Not what you're looking for. Patriots and Bills, a classic Patriots go to... Um, go to Buffalo. Up- Go to upstate New York and win a game ugly, uh, 16 to 10. The offense did not look good for the Patriots, but the defense continues to dominate. Uh, I miss covering by a point. I slide to one and four. More on that later. We're, we're in full fade Musso mode right mm-hmm. here. I might start fading myself. Um, it's going to be hard, but take uh, what you li- th- think about what you like and yep. then make your lock and the opposite. Just go straight the opposite way. But, I've been uh, there. The big storyline in this one, Frank Gore uh, amassing 15,000 career yards, vaults himself into the top four all time. Were you aware that Frank Gore had this many yards before I knew, the graphic popped up? I knew he was getting there simply because going into this season, kind of when he signed when he signed with Buffalo, people started talking about it. Like, it's still, to me, it's one of the most underrated, like, under-the-radar type careers ever. I mean, this guy's – no one sees Frank Gore's – Jesus, what is going on there with the long game? You know, it's nice out. I got the window open and – You know, uh, I'm trying to talk about Frank Gore's there. running game here and I got, you know, a lawnmower going in my ear, a weed whacker just spitting off. It's the um, blower. It's the blower. Oh, right sorry. Uh, but but good for Frank Gore, one of the more underrated careers. I don't know what's more impressive, Joe. Frank Gore doing this at age 36 or, or Tom Brady still going at age 42? Oh, I thought you were going to say, or Frank Gore doing it with no underwear on for the last 15 years. That's like your second, he just, se- second straight week with that joke. We he just it. wears pants. It throws me off. Good for him, man. He likes to feel loose down there. I, not even that. Just like even good football pants don't feel good against you. Like I, it's just a bold move. It's just a bold move. The, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off this topic. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen it too. It's been funny. This this week has spurned the should the Patriots be worried about Brady questions, which is just oh hysterical. of course. Yeah, because you know he did what he always does and goes and not plays well in Buffalo, but still won a football game. Um, I don't think there's anything to be worried about there, especially with possibly, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at them, but one of the best defenses he's ever had um, in his tenure with the Pats. It's also a defense that hasn't been tested a ton either. True. They still look, I mean, I don't, I'm not, Um, I'm not worried about a built on a points per game, on a points per game basis. They are the best in the league, but like you said, hasn't really been tested the way the Bears defense had. Mm -hmm. Give me the Bears defense every day of the week. There you go. Chiefs and Lions. The Chiefs 
go into Ford Field, excuse me, and uh, drive down the field in the fourth quarter to uh, secure a win. A Daryl Williams go-ahead one-yard rush with 23 seconds left, got it done. Uh, my takeaway in this one was the leadership of one Patrick Mahomes. Good time Patty uh, was mic'd up for this game, and I saw a clip of him prior to that drive getting his guys all on the same page. This kid has every single thing you could ever want your quarterback to have. He is the future of the sport. He is the future of leadership. He is the future of the future. Yeah, my, we knew that already, I think. My, my takeaway from this one is, are, are the Lions actually kind of good? Kind of. Like, I'm kind of starting. Like, I, I, they might actually, I'm not sure they're going to be a playoff team, but like they might be better than the Vikings in this division. I think they actually might be okay. Yeah, uh, Kenny Galladay is going up there making plays. St. Rita uh, kid. Matt Stafford hasn't made the usual mistakes we're used to him making, so mm-hmm. um, hold on line three for that because I think we could still see that. Usually um, by week four, they're dead, though, and they're not dead yet. Hats off to them. They're not dead, but the the big right miss lurks for uh, Matt Stafford. That's fair. That's a fair point. Say. Raiders and Colts. Uh, the Raiders go on the road and get right following a uh, two-game losing streak. They were staring at a three-game losing streak and a trip to London. It's been a crazy schedule for the Raiders in terms of travel. Um, they travel out east to where were they? Uh, they travel out east to Minnesota. They travel back to the Bay. They travel east to um, the Colts. Now they travel from Indianapolis to London. They come back. They go to Green Bay. It's just been um, to give them a little bit of rope here. It's been a murderer's row in terms mm-hmm. of the schedule for the Oakland Raiders, but they managed to go on the road and take care of a Colts team that had built some momentum. The Colts were down. They didn't have some players, didn't have T.Y., didn't have a couple guys in the defensive end, but uh, the Raiders did what they needed to do in getting right. They handed the ball to Josh Jacobs 17 times. He ran for 79 yards. He closed that game out. Um, He's my big takeaway in this one. Uh, There was one play, first drive of the second half, that really described who Josh Jacobs is and what he can be. He picked up a blitzing linebacker just completely put his helmet right under his chin, laid him on the ground, sunk to about three yards right over the center. Derek Carr checks it down to him. He catches the ball, makes a linebacker miss, gets to the outside, makes a DB miss. He just has everything you could want in a running back from picking up blitzes, running the ball between the tackles, making guys miss, catching the football. I think that he is a future star in this league in Josh Jacobs. Oh, yeah, I think he's a, a budding star at the running back position. Unfortunately, those seem to be shooting stars with how long they last. But True. He is a, a clearly a very talented football player, and I think the Raiders got, I don't, it's hard to call a first-round pick a steal, but getting him at number 24 I think is a fantastic yep. selection. He's going to be there for, for a little while. And on the on the Colts side of things, I think this is kind of who they are. We're going to see some flashes of what they you know might be, could have been if Andrew Luck was the quarterback all year. And not that Jacoby Brissett really played terrible or lost in this game, uh, but the offense wasn't as efficient as it could be, at least early on, and that's kind of what uh, what was their downfall. Chargers and Dolphins. The Chargers moved to 2-2 two and two on the season. The Finns right on schedule, 0-4, as they uh, look forward to life with Tua. Um, whole nother conversation, but uh, I think Josh Rosen's pretty good. He just doesn't have a team that wants to win around him, but conversation for another day as we said uh my eyes in this one go to the chargers who were sitting at one and two looking at one and three but moved to two and two i still think that they're a really good football team and possibly a playoff team as they work melvin gordon back into the fold this week and next this chargers team seems like 
every Chargers team for the last five years. They're I guess so. They're just down. hard to like. Say they're up the, and down. They're hard to write off. No, but that's what. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think they're up yeah. and down at the beginning of the year, and then they're going to go on some run towards the end, make the playoffs with ten wins, and you know, they're probably going to lose in the playoffs somewhere, but be a pretty efficient team that plays good defense and has a good quarterback. And on the other hand, with the Dolphins, uh, still still high on Josh Rosen. Like you said, we'd like to see him with a winning team. That's probably not going to happen this year. Uh, but what I'm really looking forward to, and I cannot stress this enough, is next week. No, I'm sorry, they have the bye this week. And then coming off that, Dolphins, Redskins, 0-4 versus – I mean, no, the, the Redskins are not going to beat the Patriots. Needed. So they're going to be 0-5. I cannot <laughs> wait for that football game. I would uh, – I love bad football. Can't wait to watch that. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely atrocious. Speaking of bad football, the Giants topped the Redskins 24-3. to Redskins, as you said, moving to 0-4. Giants 2-2 two two right now. Danny Dimes 2-0 in his uh, short-lived tenure. And uh, Wayne Galman coming in for uh, Saquon Barkley. Ran it 18 times for 63 yards and a touchdown. Got the job done. Um, the Giants are gonna beat, aren't going to beat too many teams with their current roster, but the no. Redskins is one of those teams that they will be what a terrible way to throw your first round draft pick into a ball game like <laughs> especially a guy who's hey, Dwayne, much, you're you know, up. it's not like this was some four-year starter at ohio state who was you know very experienced he was, he was a one-year starter at ohio state pretty much and it's just in the middle of a road game your team stinks your, your best receiver i believe terry mclaurin wasn't even playing like hey yeah you, you just go go ahead it's okay, not, you didn't even give him the what's half worse time. what's worse half what's worse that or being thrown in against a Bears defense down 20 in the oh, first that, half. Uh, yeah, that that been, one was worse. That, that would have been worse. really bad. So I think that they wanted to get him in there at a, at some point. Didn't have the stones to announce him the then starter. You start and then him said, the <laughs> you start him against the Dolphins. You start him against Miami. It's really like point. that's that's how you use this. You don't throw him in the road in on the road in the middle of the second quarter in divisional game or start him against the Patriots. You just say, you know what? Miami, we'll, we'll, you, you get to ease in against the Dolphins. But then again, if he loses that game, like, wow. So, I don't know. But th- th- that was not the time to do it. I agree. Hold your Baker Mayfield obituaries. The Browns topped the Ravens 40-25 to in a get-right ball game. This looked like the Browns team that could be dangerous and a playoff contender. Yeah, and I, I first off, I'm not sure what this, what this game says more about the Ravens or the Browns, but I, I thought mm-hmm. the Browns got away from trying to have Baker win them ball games and you know obviously established the run with Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb anytime you get a running back 20 carries that's a good thing obviously took advantage of it with the, the three touchdowns I know he had the long 88 yard or two um, that's how Baker's going to win ball games I don't think he's an elite NFL quarterback but he's a guy where if he has weapons around him and if he has that running game he can pick you apart and that's exactly what he did um, for the Ravens I mean I'm we might have got a little bit of ahead of ourselves because they went out totally two bad teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they kept it closer with the Chiefs on the road, but that was really more because they added a couple in garbage time. And this week at home against the Browns in a divisional game, they I'm not saying the Browns are a bad team by any means. They're a solid football team, and the Ravens kind of got the doors blown off. I think Baker's biggest strength is still his mental toughness. Absolutely, just his, his attitude. His, his piss and vinegar, if mm-hmm. you will, and the whole uh, the whole brown brown and orange situation with uh, with Rex Ryan definitely struck a chord and woke up old Baker. And he's someone who, when angry, I think plays better, which is rare at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing that side of him, bringing that out in him, and him executing, knowing he has to back up his talk, I think is really who he is at his core. 
Yeah. So he just needs to find a reason every week to be pissed off. And I think the Browns will be a pretty good football team. Yeah, and quite honestly, in a division that now with you know the Ravens and Lamar not looking like all that great all of a sudden, it seems like a very, very winnable division. Panthers and Texans, an early submission for game I watched the least of. I did not uh, see a play. The Panthers <laughs> win 16-10. to 10. I saw one awesome play where uh, Kyle Allen was getting bared down on by... Bear down. Uh, bear down. Was getting bared down on by... Uh, by J.J. Watt and J.J. came over the top for some like big LT looking two arm sack and Kyle Allen just kind of spun out of it. It was a really cool looking play. Stepped up, hit a wide receiver to uh, keep a uh, game clinching drive alive. So some big plays by the uh, the interim QB there in Carolina. But uh, that, I that's think where I want to go with you because I got a couple storylines from a game that I did not watch that I want to cover. Okay. First off. They shouldn't do it all the time, but I kind of like the Panthers' uniform look with the black pants with the white jersey. I thought that was a cool changeup. Um, secondly, I'm going to get that. Is Kyle Allen the interim QB? Yes. Why? I, I Cam don't, Newton has one in, in his last eight starts. Cam Newton be, can't stay healthy. Kyle Cam Allen's two and zero. What's Cam Newton making this year? I don't care. You can't have that much money on a bench. Can you have and it again, on IR? And again, okay, if he's on, if he's on IR and and you're approaching things that way. Is he that injured? I don't think he's that injured. Um, and if he's not that injured and you place him on IR, then it's two weeks and it's not early that, to not say, that they're going to, I'm not, not that they're sure. going to renew him anyway, but that's not a, a relationship that you, you want to broach or that's not a point in a relationship you want to get to with Cam Newton. Um, I understand that we're ready to write him off and it's over. But again, we are removed from a situation and a lot of times we think we know better and we don't. There's a reason why Kyle Allen was not starting as the quarterback of the Panthers day one of camp. Because There's they have Cam Newton. You can't just bench a franchise quarterback right out of the gate. Exactly. My but point. it's not right out of the gate anymore. Yeah, but to remove your franchise quarterback and not replace him due to injury is a massive sign of disrespect. And I think the Panthers understand who they are. Now, if you get into a situation where they win two more ball games without him, and then it's a question of who do you play, well, now we're four and two, and we have an opportunity to maybe go take a run at this playoff thing, and we have to make an actual decision. That, if they go one and one, or if they go zero oh and two, then you're looking at a situation of we got to put our starting quarterback back in because we're a 500 ball club. There's no pressure on anybody. The only pressure is for us to not make a fool of ourselves and of our franchise quarterback. Well, that's what I'm getting. Is Cam Newton released some weird video on his YouTube channel because apparently he has a YouTube channel. It was very strange, um, but talking about how you know he can't be the Cam Newton he can be with you know how his foot and his shoulder are and all that stuff and. It doesn't sound like he's playing anytime soon. And you look at the Panthers' schedule. You said you mentioned you know if Kyle Allen you know goes four and zero and all that mm-hmm. stuff, it's hard to. Oh, I mean, he's got the Jaguars at home this week, which isn't by any means a guaranteed win, but that's a very winnable ball game. Yeah, they have the Buccaneers, I think, in London, which is another very winnable ball game. You look at their schedule. He's got some winnable ball games up there, and if he is four and zero, and they're four and two, and Cam's kind of feel, like, do they just kind of say you know he's hurt that foot's not going to be better this year? I think they maybe suggest that Cam take his time getting back. They get in the ear of the doctors. They say, hey, let's slow play this guy because we don't want to have to make this decision. 
um, because when we do, it's the end of his time here, and yeah. we'd rather make that decision down the road after we, week sixteen. We'd rather have that decision made for us at some point. Exactly. exactly. Um, two more quick things: Christian McCaffrey is becoming, I think, the best running back and best weapon best out weapon of the backfield. In football. In football. Yeah, Maybe best not weapon t- for pure sure. running back, best weapon out of the backfield in football. That said. He's gonna he have might be the career. best weapon in football. Period. He might backfield. have a short. He might have a short-lived career um, because he's 37, 37 touches. Um, and my theory on Deshaun Watson not being all that great: twenty-one to thirty-three, one sixty, zero, no touchdowns, no interceptions, ten he's points been, at home against the Panthers. Been, he's been sacked twenty times Just in saying. the first quarter of the season. Just I think saying. Deshaun. I think Deshaun Watson's a fantastic quarterback that you will forever try and downplay because of the Mitch Trubisky comparisons. Of course. I have to have my boys back. Yeah, I know, but the, <laughs> this like this um, analysis by relativity is is not a good place to be, man. He's a he's a very I just good don't think he, he's very good. He's, he's a good quarterback. He's, I don't right think now. he's an elite. I don't think he's the elite. You know, perennial MVP candidate. Maybe not. To tell me was last year. That's where I'm maybe getting. not. We also have to remember that he has a reconstructed knee, and you got to try and keep this guy upright. There, not that's my job with that. Buccaneers and Rams. What, what the hell? That was my analysis in this one. Buccaneers hang 55 points on the Rams defense, winning this one 55 to 40. They scored offensive touchdowns, they scored defensive touchdowns, they got after the quarterback. The Rams look completely confused. I'm not so convinced that this whole bringing on Todd Gurley with limited reps and then having him peak at the right time is really a thing. I think Todd Gurley has arthritis in his knees and this could be the last I think Todd Gurley's kind of done play football it's scary and it's sad and um it looks like they want to lean on him but they can't and it's going to really be a detriment for the Rams because it doesn't look like there's much defense there at least after a 55 point performance at home against Jameis Winston's Bucks. I mean first off hats off to Jameis Winston of the Bucks or at least hats off to Bruce okay. Ari- hats off to Bruce Arians because it seems uh, like, off the Bruce Arians. It, it seems like Bruce. <laughs> good one. It <laughs> seems like Bruce Arians has at least found a way to not to channel Jameis somewhat and not you know, at least control his bad. Inter- I mean, he had that one awful interception, which is a terrible throw. For yeah. the most part, we haven't seen a ton of that from Jameis. He's roped him in a little bit, but I mean, you, you look at this breakdown. I know he had to score a lot, but the, the Rams handed the ball off eleven times. Jared Goff, I, I think he's a nice quarterback. He went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he just got paid. I think he's a good quarterback. He cannot than that. throw the you ball. You can't throw the ball sixty-eight times, times with Jared Goff. I, I know you're, <laughs> I, and I know Sean McVay's this, you know, kind of young, very smart offensive mind. All that, you know, wonderkin, whatever you want to call him. You can't throw the ball sixty-eight times with Jared Goff. You throw the. I mean, there's some quarterbacks maybe you do Drew Brees in his prime, Tom Brady in his prime, Ben Roethlisberger here and there in his prime. Mm-hmm. You don't throw the ball 68 times Jared Goff. And maybe that does speak to, like you said, how unhealthy Todd Gurley is. But five carries for 16 yards, as long as 13. Wow, so he really was terrible. Um, that's just, you, you can't do that. You're not yeah. going to win a lot of ball games that way when you throw you six, zero th- ball games th- that this way. Is, this isn't the Big 12. Speaking of winning zero ball games, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals move to 0-3-1. Oh, the Seahawks he hasn't been that bad. 27-10. He hasn't been that good either. I've watched him drop back and take 10-plus yard sacks on multiple occasions. Now, rookie quarterback, going to make those types of mistakes. But my prediction of Kyler Murray never winning six-plus games in a season as a starting quarterback 
is safe this year, I believe. Yes, and this year we, in his rookie year, like you, you wanted to tell me with Deshaun Watson with a god-awful offensive line and no help around him other than really Larry Fitzgerald and you know, David Johnson to an extent, but teams can game plan for that. You're right. He's not going to win six games this year in his rookie year with a terrible football team. I will give complete, you that. Completely agree with your sentiment that, you know, there's not much help around him, but there hasn't been much help in Arizona in a long time. No, that's, so that's also true. That's on that organization to get some players around Kyler, Kyler Murray. I think you can probably agree with me. He's looked better than I thought he would look. He's, yes. I mean, he's making rookie mistakes. Yes. He's making, I'll, I'll give him that much. Not even rookie mistakes. He's making, I only really started one year in college type mistakes. And you're seeing that, like you said, with the, you know, turning his back to the play and, you know, taking bigger sacks, trying to make more with his feet, which you can do at Oklahoma in the Big 12 when you're playing, you know, West Virginia. You can't get away with that in the NFL against the Seahawks. But he's while there, that. While there is still a reliance on his legs and he realizes he can't do it, I think it's becoming a, re- a reluctant reliance. He's realizing that this isn't the way to get in and out of situations how he could in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can sit here and talk Kyler Murray. I'm sure we will at a future jump. It's not going anywhere. So. Uh, Bears and Vikes, we already touched that. Bear Bears. Down. Broncos and Jaguars. The Jags steal one late, 26-24, to behind a strong effort out of Leonard Fournette, 225 yards on the ground, I believe is the season high mark at this point for any running back off 29 carries. Uh, Garner Minshew continues to dazzle, 26 to 24. Poor Vic can't get a win there uh, with I, the Broncos. I was gonna say, and you know, I don't want to. They got a sack though. They got I, two. I don't want to blaspheme the, the great Vic Fangio who oversaw you know a fantastic defense last year. But is it possible? Not a head coach. Is it possible that a he's not a head coach and not b might have just had some pretty darn good players during his time in Chicago. Like even when John Fox was there, you know, that defense was up and coming and still had some really good football players on it. Not a head coach. I don't think he's a head coach and I'm not, I mean, I, I, I think you and I both kind of talked about it. Obviously we didn't want to see Vic go, but I, I think, you know, having a guy like Chuck Pagano come in, with, it wasn't like, oh man, this defense is never going to be the same because Vic Fangio is not there. No, it's, it's really, the- it's more about Jimmy's and Joe's than X's and O's. I think the perfect way to frame it, Matt, is that Vic Fangio far more misses his players than his players. I would Vic totally Fangio. agree with that. That's one hundred percent accurate. And it's it's tough to lose it when you got Joe Flacco going at you. Twenty two or thirty eight isn't great, that but that's fine. But three oh three hundred three yards, three touchdowns, only turning the ball over once. You can't yeah. lose that game at home. You just can't. Agreed. Cowboys and Saints, uh, a slow moving one here. Twelve to ten. The Saints beat the Cowboys. Teddy Bridgewater in that backup role, just uh, like many other successful backups, finding a way to get it done. I guess just get that ball to Alvin Kamara and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, he's managing games, and I think it goes to show you why there is you know, logic in paying a backup quarterback. Um, and that Saints defense is they, they've done a fantastic job rebuilding it from you know was it two years ago where the offense was fine but that defense was historically bad. They've drafted really well since then. Marshawn Lattimore has developed into one of the top corners in the game. And on the side of Dallas, this was their first test of the year. I mean, they were three and zero but hadn't played anybody, and uh, mm-hmm. they did not pass it at all whatsoever. Uh, Bengals and Steelers to round things out here. A stinky Monday night game. Sure. Uh, the Bengals 0-4. So there's a November meeting between the Bengals and the uh, Dolphins. Let's so go. get ready. I get can't ready for, wait for that. Get ready for the Tua Bowl. Um, over under two and a half <laughs> wins in that game. Over under two and a half intentional turnovers in that game. <sighs> uh, but uh, 
The Steelers go on to win 27-3 to uh, to get their first win of the season. Mason Rudolph, 24 of 28 for 229. Two touchdowns. Can't make anything of it because it was against a terrible team. Yeah, I mean, good, good for Mason Rudolph. He did what he should against the bad team. And uh, I, Who do the Steelers have this week? Oh, Baltimore. So I, I think you'll learn a little bit more about Mason Rudolph this week. Obviously, Baltimore not uh, might not be the team we all thought they were, but still a formidable opponent, rivalry game. Uh, excited to see what Mason Rudolph and that team does uh, in in this type of matchup. Not that, you know, the Bengals aren't a division rival. They just stink. And that is your weekly NFL wrap-up. Can't wait to do it again next week. I love football. This podcast is so much better when we have football. Right? There's, Not that there's we're stuff. bad. Not that we're bad when we don't. We're still very with, good. Still listen. With that, with that said, though, Matt, let's go a different direction. Let's talk a little baseball. Ooh, we'll play off baseball. baseball starting last night between the Brewers and the Nationals. I saw a really cool statistic if you give me just two seconds, sure. Um, it was this is about, what we do here. We look up stats while we're live just, on the air. It was a purely. Uh, it was the most baseball stat you've ever seen. Um, it was the fact that uh, if you if you'd help Keep, uh, if you'd help something me fill did, here, did did was it the uh, Grandal thing? He was like one for no, sixteen no, no, no. in his life against Scherzer, and then took him deep in the first inning. No, it was the total time of game last night was mm. two hours and fifty five minutes. The Brewers led for two hours and 42 minutes. The Nationals held a lead for nine minutes and won the ball game. That's you, playoff baseball in a yeah. nutshell right you, there. You feel bad for that right fielder. I can't remember his name. He's only going to be remembered as the guy who filled in for Christian Yelich. Uh, <laughs> on, on the other hand, <clears throat> good for Juan Soto. I think he was 0 for 3 coming into that at bat. He made that you know brutal play in the outfield where he kind of leapt at the wall and completely whiffed, and then he ended yeah. up coming up with the big hit, so good for him. Um, and the national showing that you don't really need the the three hundred million dollar player to uh, to necessarily have some success and make some noise. Granted, Anthony Rendon might be that player next year, but we'll see. Um, but uh, looking forward to another one tonight between the A's and the Rays. Uh, the Coliseum How's the buzz be, out there? Coliseum's is there a little bit of a buzz rocking. for it? Um, yes, there's a buzz for it. It's still very it's still baseball and very niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you, well, everything's niche in California. That's it. When you mix niche baseball with like a weird Bay Area Oakland fan base, yeah. there's kind of a Raider vibe around everything at the Coliseum. So it's gonna be like it's gonna be really weird. You might see some weird stuff. Uh, the cameras might catch stuff. tonight. So gonna be uh, gonna be an exciting one. I think that uh, I think Oakland comes out with this one. I know they've historically struggled in these one game playoffs, uh, whether it be game one sixty threes or. Uh, actual wild card games that they've struggled, but uh, I think they get it done. I think Sean Manaya is getting the start tonight, so a big yeah. one tonight. Manaya versus uh, I think Charlie Morton is throwing for Tampa, but uh, everybody's available, as they say. I mean, you saw Strasburg come out of the bullpen last night, yep. I believe, for Washington. I want to ask you a quick baseball question here. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about it in the rundown, but it's it's some you, you like the White Sox. You're a White Sox fan. They wrapped up the season. The 72 wins isn't exactly great, but I think you saw you saw Tim Anderson win a batting title. Yohan Moncada finished, I think, third in the AL batting race. Jose mm-hmm. Abreu led the AL and RBI. So I want to ask you, buy or sell? You know, bonus buy or sell here. Okay. Um, this year was it? You know, th- this year in the rebuild that this was a successful step. You, you buy and or sell on the White Sox going forward? I guess after this year, after seeing these positive signs. I mean, you, they're all positive signs. But we, I, I posed the question last week: When is it going to translate to wins? Like the win total needs to grow. Mm-hmm. Um. It's up and to the front needs, office. And it needs to grow exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so until I see that win total grow, I'm going to reserve judgment. Yeah. Um, it still feels like the air on the south side is a little bit stale. 
So I gotta tell you, you invigorate that. I don't know. At I, least local. I know locally, at least locally there's a lot to there, be excited there is, about. No, there's been a, and I'm not just. You wouldn't know this because you 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 you're living out there. The last week or so, kind of down the stretch, especially during that Anderson batting race, the the vibe on the south side, at least among Sox fans, has been something. It, it's, it felt more like the beginning of this season when people were excited and they had that 500 year than it did like a 72 and 89 team. At least that's, I mean, that has nothing to do with what the front office is going to do or how the team feels. But at least the, the fan base towards the end of the season, there was some sort of kind of uplifting feel down the stretch. And I think those guys that we talked about, Anderson, Abreu, who I assume is going to be back because both have expressed how badly they want each other to be, you know, be paired up next year uh the steps you've taken forward the, the front office basically said hey we'll support you guys when you guys take your positive steps team took positive steps young guys did everything they're supposed to do this year now it's on the front office to back them up that's my opinion yeah um if but that I, is the I, feeling, I completely then... respect your sentiment but you know especially nationally there's not much hype other than tim anderson i guess winning the batting title but there, there's not a lot of reason to believe outside of the city that they're going to do much because they haven't spent in the past and they haven't really done anything in the past to get better. Yeah. Um, hopefully there okay. are brighter days ahead and we can talk about the Sox playing some playoff baseball, but until then, Matt, uh, why don't we give these people some picks and then Ooh. get into some uh, segments here. Okay. You want to start or you want me to start? Uh, I'll start off by saying that I am at one and four. Matt is at three and two. Uh, we're in full on fade Joe mode. But with that said, I am taking and giving you a lock. Okay. The Chargers, I think it's going to be a lock. I like The it. Chargers covering six and a half against the Broncos at home. I think that they're a touchdown better than this poor, poor Broncos team. Also, it'll be interesting to see what Melvin Gordon can bring to this team with the success of Austin Eckler already in full throw. So I think you know, getting back that maybe more between the tackles guy is going to allow them to not only control the pace of this one, but uh, score a couple more points. I like the Chargers covering six and a half against the Broncos. Yeah, luckily it's not really like a, you know, they're throwing a new guy into the fold. It's a guy who obviously everyone's familiar with. The offense is very familiar with the same coaching staff, so you'd hope, you'd think it would be a seamless transition provided he's in shape. Uh, I'm going to go to the college ranks here. Uh, Florida, or Auburn at Florida is the, you know, your, your game day game of the week. Um, Auburn giving three on the road. I know it's an SEC, you know, conference game, all that stuff. Florida hasn't impressed me at all this year. Auburn's done nothing but win important games. I like Auburn to cover the three on the road at Florida in those beautiful all-white uniforms. Like it. Yeah. Like it, love it, got to have it. Matt, let's jump into some buy or sell. All right. Let's, before we do that, Joe, we're going to have to go to Betsperts, okay? And we're going to have to make yes, our picks us- on Betsperts. All right. They allow you to find experts in every league, conference, division, and team. Each Betsbert displays their overall record by Betspertise and their active picks. With thousands of Betsperts, you decide which user to follow. In addition, Betsperts provides game stats and information on each matchup. And Betsperts Pro, which is their payment option, gives you even more additional insight and analysis. If you want to spend a little more, that's fine too. You don't have to, though, because their free stuff is really good, and, and I use it a lot. I think Joe does too. So get on Betsperts, make some picks, make some money. Love it. That was good. Matt? It's good live read on my part. You want me to start this one off? Uh, yes. All right, we're going to take things back to the diamond. I know we touched on the south side. There is some um, news on the north side, though. Fans probably wondering why we haven't touched on the north side. We're going to get it in Because we're segments. getting there, guys. We're getting there. Let Give us, us build. Give us some time. Let us build. It's a crescendo. Matt, buy or sell. Joe Madden manages again in the major leagues. It's it's a hard buy for me. I think it's, I, I would say within a week, I think he's got a job. 
uh, whether See, I think he's going to do that same thing where he takes a year and just like drives his Winnebago around uh, the United States. I mean, if there's a guy that's going to do it, it's him. But I think <laughs> that the the I think that the jobs that are it's a big gap year guy. The jobs that are open this year though are, are going to be so appealing to him. Uh, yeah. If if the jobs that were open this year were you know Kansas City and you know Minnesota and Cleveland or something like that, you know places mm-hmm. like that, maybe he does take that year off. He's got San Diego open. He's got Anaheim open where he started his career and, you know, really liked it out there. He's got the Giants open. We all know how he feels about mm-hmm. it. Na- namely, California. He's got California open. Um, you know, the Phillies might have an opening, which is a contender, which which could be appealing to him. He's going to have his pick of very prestigious jobs or locations that he'd like to live. So I think he'll be back in a, du- not in a dugout until next year. But I, I think he'll be back managing a team fairly shortly here. I'd be surprised if it wasn't, you know, one of those four teams I just mentioned. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think there's still a lot of managing left in them. It was just time for a refresh. Um, yeah, it can be time. I mean, it, it, I think the fact that his contract was up is good because I don't think he was worth <laughs> firing, but I'm also not sure he was really worth renewing. And it seemed like, I mean, yeah. it seemed like the message started to wear thin on that in that dugout, and that's that's okay. That happens. Matt, why don't you hit me? All right, I'm going to keep things. Uh, on the diamond here. I'm going to go back to the south side, touched on some free agency. J.D. Martinez in Boston said he's going to opt out. Um, there, I forgot who's running things now that Dave Dombrowski's gone, but they pretty much said they're not going to be able to bring back both Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez. Therefore, Martinez is going to be let go. Buy or sell, Joe. J.D. Martinez, a fit on the south side. Uh, Rick Hahn has said, you know, right field DH is a position they want to add. Those are his two positions. So buy or sell, that's a fit. I totally buy it. I think J.D. Martinez is a fit anywhere. I think he's a plug him into the lineup 155 times a year and hope he hits 30 home runs and does everything you need him to do and hits 275 plus and is another addition to that offense and hopefully can share things up defensively. But the outstanding question with the White Sox is how do you wrangle all of these players and all of this talent and all these batting titles and all those things, and how do you turn those into wins? Mm-hmm. J.D. Martinez can help you turn those into wins. I buy it hard. I, I would 100% J.D. Martinez can help turn those things into wins because I, I do think if you sign him, it's really more of a, you're going after a DH. These guys can fill in in right field, but I don't think you're, you're trotting out an out a starting outfield with Eloy in left and J.D. in uh-huh. right next year because that's defensively going to be a problem. Um, but I, I think it, it would be important to bring in a guy who is used to being a DH, has DH, because I think that's a, a, that's a thing in the in the major leagues. Having that mindset, knowing how to prepare yourself as a DH is important. He's done that, and also uh, it's sad that I have to say this. I don't think he's he's not going to be a guy that's going to command a ten year deal. He's going to be a guy that's probably looking for four to five, which <laughs> you know if you're the White Sox, you can you can swing that, and uh, he might clog a little bit of depth. You know. The, the name that pops into my head is Andrew Vaughn, you know, in the minor leagues. But at the same time, baseball's shown that you need to have that depth because injuries are going to happen, especially if you got guys like J.D. Martinez and Jose Abreu in the lineup who are a little mm-hmm. bit older. They're going to miss some time at points. Um, so you're going to need that depth. So I, I, I think it's a natural fit, and I think uh, – I hope that the White Sox go after and add him to the lineup because if you do, that's suddenly a pretty scary lineup. Um, yeah, I think offensively it would be one of the better ones in the American League, mm-hmm. and, and that's saying something because there's some lineups out there. Yeah. Um, I think I got one more for you. You Matt, do. We're going to keep things baseball. Keeping we're keep things, things on north the diamond. Side. Um, this is going to be a weird one to make sense of, but Matt, buy or sell Girardi and Ross or the field? 
So buy or sell. Buy or sell that, Girardi and Ross or the field. Who am I buying? Buy or sell. Yeah, who are you buying? Girardi and Ross or the field? I'll buy Girardi and Ross. Um, G- Ross was mentioned in Theo's press conference, and he didn't shoot it down. Uh, I, I want to say Girardi was asked about too, but Theo didn't really talk about that. That said, if they're going for the you know anti Joe Madden, the the, the kind of hard ass in the dugout who's going to pull people accountable, <coughs> that's true. Girardi. Uh-huh. Um, David Ross knows that dugout knows that clubhouse better than anybody else. And, and while I know that you know managers are. That's why I think it's actually going to be David Ross. I don't think it's going to be Joe Girardi, but it wouldn't shock me if that was a direction they decided to go if the Ross thing didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two seem to be the logical candidates at this point. I think they're going to throw out some some interviews. I think they said DeMarc Loretta, who's you know been in there, dug out the last couple of years, uh, a couple other smaller guys. But I think baseball is going the route of you know having a manager who's an extension of the front office. And I think David Ross can kind of be that guy a little bit more than Joe, but I, I do think it'll be one of those two guys. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think that, uh, you know, if it isn't one of those two guys, there's going to be, I don't know if uproar is an overstatement, but I don't think there's going to be too much thrill, um, aside from what do you, what would you think about David Ross getting in that dugout? Because one of the things, I think it's a weird dynamic. I think it's a weird dynamic. He was the teammate two years ago. Yeah. And they kind of like one of the, the, the sentiments here, at least since even since this collapse kind of started and especially since, you know, Joe and them parted ways was, you know, we need to get over 2016. This isn't 2016 anymore. This is, you know, this is a new era. This is a new team. This is going to be a new group. And going back and just hiring David Ross seems to be a little, oh, we're just going right back to 2016. You know, that'd be like if the Blackhawks, when they fired Joel Quenville, went back and hired Dennis Savard. Like, that that would be kind of weird. Um, uh, I just, from a management standpoint, like there's understanding baseball and understanding the game and even, and even, you know, even catching for in these big moments, those all are credits, but there's doing all those things. And then there's managing baseball. Yeah. I mean, if you've never managed a 162 game season, there's going to be some growing pains there. I think David Ross is going to be a manager one day. And I think he's going to be a fairly good one. I just think the Cubs is a weird dynamic. That's it. He really wants that job. It's he's been asked about in the media a couple of times and really hasn't shied away from talking about how excited he would be. He pretty much said, yeah, that, that that's the one I really, really want. So it wouldn't be, he wants that job. And I think if it's offered to him, he's going to take it. No doubt about it over any other job he might get offered. Yeah. Um, Another ooh, quick this because we talked about Theo's press conference here, um, and one of the questions he was asked he was you know about a, a you know, shaking up the roster you know shaking up the group all that stuff, and he kind of said you know we we got some guys maybe not at the end of their contracts but you know we're, we're going to have to start paying some guys soon and we're going to start negotiating we haven't been basically said you know if people aren't willing to sign extensions that's going to make them a little bit more movable to us and you know a little bit more uh, expendable. Yeah. So I think you asked me this question by yourself, one of, you know, Brian or Baez, but by yourself, one of those doesn't sign, the one who doesn't sign an extension <coughs> is not on the roster next year. Mm. So I, th- I think they're going to approach both of them. I'm not sure either one's going to sign, but you, you think, I guess it adds even more to that speculation. By yourself, one of them's going to be gone. Yeah, I think you got to buy that, right? I think so. Like that, that seemed more so to Chris Bryant a message of, hey, if you don't sign, we're just going to trade you. Yeah. Um, I buy that. I totally buy that. Good. I got nothing beyond buying that. I, yeah. I, I have, I have no other analysis there. I have no other um, sneak peeks. I have no other. I got nothing, Matt. I buy it. 
Yeah, I, I, I actually, after hearing that quote and that sound, all that kind of stuff, I kind of do think Chris Bryant's gone because I don't think Scott Boris is yeah. going to sign an extension. Chris Bryant's okay. going to, he's not going to get it, but he's going to want close to what Nolan Arenado got. He just hasn't produced at that rate. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's falling out of favor here, but like there's starting some whispers like, oh, is he a clutch player? He never comes through with runners in scoring position, all that stuff. He's not the, the same, you know, everyone's darling he was in 2016. It would not shock yeah. me to see them move on from him. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's it's a viable possibility, and, you know, that's another departure from 2016. Yeah. And whether that's good, bad, or otherwise, it's for you to decide. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, uh, well, I got I, nothing else. I got, got a college. Got fo- I, got, I had a college football one I want to talk to you. We, we didn't touch much on college. Uh, Clemson, though, avoided the upset at North Carolina. Yes. They haven't looked all that strong this year. The offense, which is supposed to be the uh, the strong point, really hasn't produced. Trevor Lawrence has looked okay, I would mm-hmm. say, against not great competition. So buyers sell some some cause for concern about Clemson. I sell it. I think Dabo Sweeney teams oftentimes play to their uh, competition. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't played a ton of great competition. I think they'll rise to the occasion when it's needed down the stretch, but they're not really going to be tested much in the ACC. Um you need to find things internally in order to make sure that you're ready when you do get to a college football playoff. Um, will that be an issue this year? It's possible. But um, I don't doubt a Dabo Sweeney team until uh, I see them lose. That's a fair point. Doesn't look yeah. like they're going to lose anytime soon because if you look at that schedule, there's uh, not much. Yeah. Not much going on there. Uh, not much going on here either, Matt. Just uh, relaxing. You got nice plans time. for the weekend. You're, you're working. You got to work. I was going to say you got any nice plans for the weekend, but you got to work. Watch plan. I'm, yeah, I'm in the midst. You're talking to a man in his weekend. Yeah. What do you got um, planned for your weekend here? Got a nice, uh, got a, you know, this is oversharing, but I got, got a nice pedicure scheduled for later on today. Going to get the feet right. Um, Congratulations. Dealing with some cracking. Been, been going at it hard in the gym lately. Been, been tr- getting back. Getting my training feet back mm. on, you know. So got some hooves going right now. Going to get a little love on the feet. Um, thinking about maybe a massage tomorrow, but uh, today's pedicure and golf. Um, so got a nice little day planned. What's the, what's the weather like out there today? You're you're 73 with a breeze, uh, not a cloud in the sky. So kind of kind of just how you draw it up. I got to tell you, we got some weird weather going on here. It was like last week. It was like kind of feeling fallish. Uh huh. Yesterday it was like 89 and sunny. Yep. And today it's back to like 65 and cloudy, and it's a it's a nice day, a little bit you know a little cloudier, but, but a fine day. But the weather just it needs to pick a side here. Be summer, that, or be fall. You know what I'm saying? It's that glo- it's that global warming, I think, man. That's that's what it has to be. I tell you, man. But when yeah. we start talking about weather, that's when we know it's time to that's end a, a podcast. Yeah. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Thank you as always, fans, for tuning into the Moose and Rooney L- podcast. London this prediction, episode Joe. 123. London prediction. Uh, London prediction. Bears by 17. Everybody eats fish and chips. Um, has a great time. A safe flight home. Khalil Mack with two sacks, a strip sack, and a recovered fumble. Uh, defense is going to take the ball away four times. 31-13, beloved. Write those all down. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Send us those mailbag questions. Enjoy the game this weekend. And if you are traveling to London, as I know some of our listeners are, Ooh, have a hell of a uh, Kyle, Frank, oh, um, that's awesome. couple groups, yeah, right. yeah. So uh, have that's a good it. time out there. Be safe, and as always, thank you for listening to the Moose and Moons podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We will talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise. 
and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the stick was phenomenal. <laughs>